Amen to that. I'd like to start today by asking you to participate a little bit. I'm going to ask you some questions in just a moment and uh, appreciate the involvement and appreciate your prayers as we've led up to this time. I know some of you have prayed uh, leading up to this point in the service as we beautifully have God's perfect word and we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit as a teacher and as we join together now to look as a church family at his word. Before we uh, go any further, I want to ask you to bow your heads one more time and we'll pray. Most giving Father that looks upon us and lavishes upon us incredible riches and love and mercy that none of us deserve. We thank you, God, for the beautiful picture that we have. We thank you for Christ and his sacrifice. We thank you for you and your love. We praise you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We would ask that that would clearly be seen over the next several minutes as we look into your word and see the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your church. How sweet and beautiful and powerful and continuing. We would ask that you would open our hearts Stimulate our minds. Allow us with our lives to know you better because of our time in your word today. And I pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If I could get you just to let me know a little bit more about you, that is helpful for me. Uh, regarding the seasons that we face, uh, we've got summer, we've got fall, we've got winter, and we've got spring. I'd love to find out. Um, what your favorite season is, and it's going to help us as we look into our lesson for today. And so let's go ahead and start with that warm month summer. I'd like you to raise your hand if your favorite season is the season of summer. How many summer folks do we have? All right. Okay, quite a few. Okay, put your hands down. All right. You can't vote for more than one. I'll let you know now. All right. Some of you love them all. Um, how many of you love fall? Fall is your favorite season. Fall is your favorite. Okay, you're per that's why you're smiling today. All right, good, good. How many of you love winter time? You love winter. Oh, boy, I can almost count that. <laughs> almost count that up here. Good, all right. How many of you love the springtime? Spring is your favorite. Spring is your favorite. Okay, all right, very good. You know, when we think of our favorite seasons, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a unique time when we come up to that. There is an indicator that you and I have sometimes, if we make our way out of the house, that tells us about the season that's upcoming. If you ever find yourself in a department store, find yourself in really any kind of a store around town and even other places, you will very quickly know what season is coming up next. A couple days ago, I was with my daughter. We were in a store in the area, and um, we very much so started looking at the decorations. Decorations for Halloween were all out, of course. We're in October now. Fall decorations. And she said, boy, I love looking at the fall decorations. It's so neat to see those things. Some of you know where I'm going with this. I was in a different store a few days ago. I was in a different store in September, and I saw decorations for Christmas were already up. How many of you are excited about decorations for Christmas already? I know there's got, oh, we got one, two, three. Okay, that's fine. It's a safe place here. You can raise your hand. 
Christmas decorations. Those of you who love the winter might love Christmas. I saw the Christmas trees twinkling in, in the background of a large department store recently. And I saw, I thought, oh my goodness, already? Now, we're not singing Christmas songs yet. So you can try to bribe the song leader if you want, but we're not going to get into that yet. It's just too soon. When we think of our favorite seasons and when we think of what is probably the favorite of many people, and is probably the favorite holiday of many people, we think of Christmas. When you think of Christmas, I'm not going to talk too much about Christmas today, okay? But this will help us in understanding where we are going. When we think of Christmas, I want to let you Christmas lovers know, beware. I want you to beware of something. I'm not asking you to emphasize Christmas less. I'm not asking you to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ less. I'm not asking you to to be less grateful for it. But there is something that I want to raise the alarm to today. And that something is this. So often, we will wonderfully and appropriately celebrate the coming of the second person of the Trinity of Jesus Christ. And we give good time to it. It's even an opening to share the gospel sometimes, isn't it? At my church, we have a Christmas Eve service. Or um, this is what we do in my family because Jesus Christ came to earth. It's good. Here's where the danger is. We celebrate the coming of the second part of the Trinity in incredible ways. And too often, Christians are scared to celebrate in an equal way the coming of the third part of the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit Now, probably if I were to have a conversation with most of you, you wouldn't be afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. You understand that. You know it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That will come through in song. It comes through whenever we have a baptism service and other times besides that. But if we are honest, many individuals are a little bit frightened to talk too much about this, not near as much about Jesus Christ. Just look at the songs that we've sang today. Christ was highlighted. And we don't want to de-emphasize Christ, but what I want to do today is I want to pull our attention to an attack of the devil. An attack of the devil. And when the devil attacks, I'm not so much worried about the minor little things. When something small comes up, sometimes um, they can get blown out of proportion, and sometimes they can, you know, cause some problems. But where my antenna goes up is when the devil starts to have an impact on attacking a major thing. And what I'm talking about is the Trinity. We have the doctrine of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we love God the Father. He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And of course, Jesus Christ made it right into John 3.16 as well. He was the Son who died for us. But I think the devil has been successful in scaring people in the ministry of the Holy Spirit This week and next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to um, look at his involvement in the church. We're going to get very, very practical next week because I I think a lot of people, like I say, you're not afraid to talk about it, but I I had somebody in the church not too long ago. There was a worker here and there was somebody that goes to our church here and they were talking about it and I passed by and this individual that was a worker, he threw out some verbiage that our church member didn't know and turned to me, Pastor, do we believe that about the Holy Spirit? Is that, is that right? And people use different words, and that scares us, doesn't it? We're scared of the unknown sometimes. But I want to challenge you to not be scared of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
The devil has been very, very, he knows he's not going to suppress us celebrating Christmas. Now, he's done a good job of making it very, very commercial. Charlie Brown did a great job teaching us that years ago, right? It's all gone commercial, Christmas has. So we're still going to celebrate Christmas, and he's not going to stop that. But I think if the devil can keep us so confused and a little bit nervous about talking about the coming of the third part of the Trinity, I think this will be very, very effective. And I just want, I'm going to throw a couple applications out right at the start. And here's why I'm starting in this way. Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to make all the difference on whether we can accomplish what I'm giving us as applications or not. It made all the difference in the first church and makes all the difference today. Let me go ahead and um, talk with you, with you about a couple applications here. Some specific goals that we want to, that we want to accomplish at Calvary, and they are in the Great Commission. This uh, very appropriately ties down here. If you're taking notes, you can take these down off the screen. But one of the very practical goals that we have at Calvary is that we will see people saved. And we're going to talk about two ways that we do this. Number one, we want to see people saved as we equip our church family to share Jesus Christ. This is twofold. So we want to equip our church family to share Christ, and we also want to regularly remind you that you need to have a burden. I think that burden wanes very easily. And I think a lot of people just feel, they don't feel equipped. Even if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been saved, you've maybe heard the gospel hundreds of times, but you're a little bit intimidated on how to share that with somebody, what kind of an inroad. So number one, we want to see people saved as we equip our church family to share Christ, and then also as we regularly stoke up that fire for people to know him. Another way that we want to see the Great Commission accomplished here at Calvary is going to be by, we want to see people saved through ministries of Calvary that introduce the gospel and repeat the gospel. Some of you are involved in a children's ministry. The beautiful kids, some of your kids and grandkids, some kids that come in from the community that come to our Word of Life program, they've heard the gospel already in the past few weeks here. And we're going to hear the gospel again. Those that come to a Sunday school class of the children on Sundays or the adults that come to an ABF class, these are times when the gospel can be highlighted and we need to understand what we have, the beauty of what you have in a church. Do you understand how wonderful this is of a church? I know you are blessed oftentimes by the worship and by talking to friends that have Jesus in common. But do you understand the resource that we have where you can say, hey, on October 31st, on Tuesday night, why don't you bring your kids to our gymnasium? And we're going to have a great activity and play some games. And they will receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, at least through literature form and maybe even in another way. We have a great resource here, and I want to challenge you in both of these ways. I'll talk a little bit more about them both at the end of our time. But I want to let you know this. The topic of our sermon is the Holy Spirit. The power in the church, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at, it's, it's two different churches, but really it's one church. Two churches, but really it's one all that to bring us to our text. Would you turn to Acts chapter 2, please? Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. And we're going to look at the tale of two churches. The tale of two churches. I know some of you have been around for a couple years, and you've been waiting for us to get through the book of Acts after about two years. And the first sermon that I preach when we're done with our series in Acts, where do we go to? 
Well, I'm kind of an expert in it now, you know, as much as I can be. I've been studying it for quite a while. And I won't apologize for pulling us back to Acts because I wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit and we find a beautiful picture here of what's going on. Acts chapter 2 and uh, we're going to look at three different things that takes place here. We're, let me read verses 1 and 2 for us of Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. We'll stop right there. When we look at something happening in the scriptures, and this is unique that took place. It's helpful for us to look into the Bible and see if we find anything else in God's word that reminds us of this. What is similar to this? A sound like a rushing wind filling the house. Wind that is filling something. If I can, let me just direct your attention. You don't need to turn there. We won't read um, much of it at all. But in Genesis chapter 2, we find something that, like this. Something before when we find that God breathed into Adam the breath of life and man became a living soul. So most of you are familiar with this. This is one of the better told stories in the scriptures. God made Adam. And if you, as you look at what God did in creation, we understand that God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And so you've got the body there, the skeleton. You've got everything there that God made. But it was lifeless. And God takes Adam and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And it was at that point that man became a living soul. Man became alive. Don't miss the connection. In Genesis 2, we have a body that did not have life and God breathes life into it. In Acts chapter 2, we have here in, 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 the, in the previous chapter, we have a body that is there, but it was lifeless. The body of Jesus Christ 120 believers that were gathered together. Now, let me point this out because you'll see some connections with our day today, hopefully. They were joined together. They were praying together. They were even organized. They had a meeting. They had lost one of the apostles. They replaced that apostle. They had some things that were going on, but they were not yet an alive church they had a task that Jesus Christ gave them, but they were not doing it yet. In Acts 1, they're not doing what Jesus Christ said, you need to be doing this, and they would not be able to accomplish it until what takes place in Acts 2 happens. Not simply an organization of men and women, but we as a church today, having been given power by the Holy Spirit, we are something supernatural with a connection to the Holy Spirit. There are all kinds of organizations out there. And let me just inform you of this. There are organizations that will meet some of the needs and desires that men have that the church meets. Some people have a desire to be part of a worthy cause. I want to be part of something. I watched a news special just last night about um, some of the recovery efforts down in Houston and they talked about, there was one man they interviewed and they talked about how these volunteer groups came in to help with his house and they had torn out all the drywall and, and, um, and were helping to get his house fixed. There are all kinds of organizations that you can be a part of that will make you feel good in life. There's something within us that likes to help others oftentimes. There are also some organizations that have a strong leader 
Some groups, you will just see a leader, and he's very charismatic, and you'll say, I want to be part of that. Whatever that guy's talking about, that's what I want to be a part of, because people like oftentimes to have a strong leader out in front. There are some organizations that are filled with people like you. I mean, you can go and look, and you can find people like you doing this here. It might be at the corner booth at McDonald's on Saturday morning, or every morning of the week from what I understand. You can find people like you in all kinds of places. So there can be some needs that we find similar in the church that we'll find in other organizations, but the coming of the Holy Spirit is what sets the church apart. And so the same God who breathed into Adam that he might become a living being breathed into the church so that it might become alive. All right, let's go and look at the next one here. Look at verse three with me. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Divided tongues. I said earlier, it's good for us and helpful when we go to the scriptures and we find something that we haven't seen before, and I don't think I've seen this one anywhere before. What can we find that is similar in the scriptures to this? I know some of your minds are going for that. When we think of the burning bush, we have a fire in a bush, but the bush was not being consumed. When we have a fire, we need fuel for that fire. It's going to have to burn something up, and that fuel will eventually um, either evaporate or be burned up, and it will be gone. But with the burning bush, it did not go away. It's unusual. And as Moses goes and he turns aside to see this incredible thing, we find this fire that did not go out. And it's beautiful that God let it burn as long as he wanted it to burn. And as we look and make this connection back in the book of Acts, we know this group of 120 people, they were organized, but they did not have the power to do the work that Jesus told them to do, to make disciples. Now, if I can, can I ask you just to put yourself in that room? So imagine the early church, if you can. Imagine that you're one of the 120 in this meeting place, and there's something very unusual going on because there's a fire. And I think the picture, as I study through it, it looks like it started out as one fire, maybe a pillar of fire that was with this group as the Holy Spirit would come. And they hear the sound like a rushing wind, but now they see this fire. And if you are sensing what's happening here, you might know there's some power that's going to come. And now I want you to try to think, if you were there in that group of 120 and you saw that fire, and you thought, oh, who is it going to rest upon? Who's it going to be? I might, I might have it narrowed down to 12, right, in that room. And if you were there, who would you guess that that fire would rest upon? Well, maybe John, the one that Jesus loved. Certainly, that's where the power is going to come for what God's going to do next in his plan. Maybe James, Maybe it would rest upon James and he would be this wonderful leader that would lead everything that God has to do. Some would say, well, certainly not Bartholomew. I can't think of anything Bartholomew did that would deserve to be the leader of that group. And as you're watching and as you're wondering who that fire is going to rest upon, can you imagine seeing it as we see there in verse 3 where it says it divided and the fire came upon who? Every one of them. 
This is the plan for God in the Holy Spirit in his church today. As every one of us has some kind of a part in God's great commission. The fire would rest upon each of them. And God's plan was not to raise up another superhero like Moses. And it wasn't for Peter to continue on. And it wasn't for Paul to um, continue on until Jesus comes back. But God's plan for the New Testament church involved all those within his church to be a part of accomplishing his plan. In Acts 2, this would be demonstrated very clearly. There is not a single person in our church today, in our church family, that is not to be a part of building the church of Jesus Christ. And so today, God says nobody has an excuse. You are all to play a role, whatever role that might be. Some are very quick to share their faith. Some are very quick to have a burden to finance um, missions or something else. Some are quick to say, I can be involved with a club that's going to introduce the gospel. There are different ways where we can do this, and there is no one that is without excuse. And we as a church family complement each other to make this work in a beautiful, beautiful way. Let's, take, let's go on to the next one. The next one we'll find in verse number four. Look at Acts 2.4 with me. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you're taking notes, they spoke in foreign languages which they previously did not know. This is another demonstration of the Holy Spirit coming. We're just going to talk about one aspect of this. Once again, can I ask you to search in your minds for something similar? What can you think of in the Bible where... There were different languages that were speaking automatically without being learned. If I can take you back to the Old Testament and take you to the Tower of Babel. When we look at the Tower of Babel, this was a time when man, were, they were joined together. They were, um, you know, advancing in incredible ways. And the Bible tells us that God came down to earth as they built this tower. And it says, God confused their languages. God came and God confused everything so that they would be confused and so that they would be divided. It's quite a picture, isn't it? I mean, imagine being on the work site, this tower that you're making and you're going to work month after month and kind of working with the same people that work in your area. One day you go to work and the guy next to you is talking just gibberish. You have no idea what he's saying. You're confused by it, and you're thinking, did this guy hit his head? What, what happened? Then you talk to somebody else, and they're speaking an even different kind of gibberish. And you're confused, and everything is thrown off as they're speaking different languages, and you search and you search, and finally you find somebody who speaks your language. And so you hang on to them. And everybody in confusion and in chaos tries to find someone that speaks their language and these little groups finally do connect and they say to themselves, we have to get out of here. We have to leave this place. We have to separate. God brought confusion to them at the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. And as we look at what God did here in the church in Acts chapter 2, we find the polar opposite. If you read the next verse, Acts 2.5, you'll see there were people from every nation that were there. 
And the supernatural speaking in tongues is not a curse to separate, but instead it is a blessing that leads to understanding. It is a blessing from God that would bring people together. This is what the ministry of the Holy Spirit does, and I can prove it very clearly, easily today. Because you are so much different than you. And when it comes right down to it, you might not even really like all that much about you. Maybe you root for blue and maize. Maybe you root for green and white. Maybe you have a certain um, inclination when it comes to politics. All of these things can be set aside to bring us together for the work of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit can do this. And you might say, you don't know how big of a sports fan I am, Pastor. I do know how big of a sports fan some of you are. And I want to let you know that your love for Jesus Christ is going to surpass that. And it's going to make you embrace someone in the name of Jesus Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit does. We're going to be challenged in this area of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need not fear when someone talks about the Holy Spirit. We need not fear when we see the word tongues come up. Let me just throw it out there. Get in the word. Study it. If you're nervous about something, get your nose in the book and get your prayers on God and say, God, help me to understand this. But do not fall for what the devil has been so good at accomplishing in separating believers by our want to not talk about this. He's attacked the ministry of the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit and we need to be very very careful that we do not say I just don't understand anything about it so I'm just not going to worry about it I'm just going to stay here and do my work and, and keep my head down you have a responsibility and even if you can't get all the answers that's okay but don't freak out don't be nervous about it the, because here's why this is the application because if you neglect the ministry of the Holy Spirit what we're doing right here as a church family isn't really hold that, all that different than what they're doing down there at the corner and what they're doing in that organization. It's really not. We have to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the baptizing of the Holy Spirit, not have the quenching of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. And when those things are taking place, that's what sets us apart. We have two different churches here. We have a church in Acts chapter 1 and a church in Acts chapter 2. And so what I want to ask you is, what do, what do you want to be, church? Do you want to be a church that's got their ducks in a row, organized, got some good things going, I like it? Or are you willing to allow some of these things take place that if you don't think that threw them for a loop, I mean, you know, just read it again, verses 1 through 4. This threw many of them out of their comfort zone, I'm sure. God breathed life into his, into his church. The fire came and the power rested upon 12 of them? Three of them? No, the power rested upon how many? All of them. And the tongues came, and the application that I'm taking away from that is that there will be no barrier to this gospel message. It's not just somebody that's with my background and likes what I like and is in my family. There is no barrier to this gospel message. And we send it to the other side of the world and we send it to the person that's not like us, even in our own neighborhood. 
And these are wonderful pictures of what God is doing today. He breathes life into the church, not simply an organization, but we are a living organism. As we look at this, let me just encourage you with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of it. Study it. There's great books out there, and if you want, I can recommend some books. I can give you some. We've got some in our library. Don't be afraid of it, but let me go ahead and just say this. It can't just stop with a head knowledge. Please do get the head knowledge. Please have the answers. When someone says filling of the Holy Spirit, know what they're talking about from God's Word, but it cannot stop with a head knowledge. It has to go further, and not just a heart knowledge. It has to be experience. Some folks don't like experience. You put the word Holy Spirit and experience together, right away some of us are going, whoa. There has to be an experience, what God is doing within you and within those that you know. Someone in our church was talking to someone not too long ago about an experience they had and their Christian friend said this. They said, well, welcome to the Holy Spirit. Just like that. And we need to not be surprised very quickly, and tying this right back to the Holy Spirit's here, that's what's going to allow us to accomplish our goal. Let me give you some things that you can do. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, purpose to equip yourself to share Christ. And remember, that's twofold. So we need you to share Christ and also keep that burden for lost souls constantly before you. I mentioned earlier that a lot of people just don't feel adequate. So let me tell you what we're going to offer. Here at Calvary, um, sometime we're going to have, in the next few months, we're going to have a combined Sunday school time, I think for two weeks, and we're going to just very practically teach you how to share your testimony, which is going to be attached to the gospel very clearly, to share the gospel with someone else, a training class. We're not going to keep accountability and see how many folks you witnessed to that week, but I know many people, you're just terrorized when this idea comes up. I neglected something this past week. I was walking right by and I was in some grungy clothes and I saw a woman a little bit older and she was trying to put air in the tires of her car. And I went and walked by and I thought about it just for a second. I thought, boy, I could probably help her with that and then maybe give her a track or else talk to her about my church or something. And, and I didn't. Confession's good for the soul, I guess. I didn't do it. And let me encourage you to be keeping that burden before you. Keep a track. I needed to give out something. We had somebody do some work at our house recently, and they gave me their business card. And I thought I was so clever. I said, well, let me give you my business card, just like that. And I was searching for a specific literature, and I couldn't find one, so I gave them kind of a full-blown gospel presentation thing. And I said, this isn't really my business card, but this is what our church is all about. And I got it in their hands. And then we pray about that. And you can have a different opinion. You can have a favorite track and a favorite presentation. But I want to challenge you with this. Purpose to equip yourself so you're not nervous about it, to share Christ and then constantly keeping that burden before you. And then number two, participate in, give to, and pray for the ministries of Calvary that are going to introduce the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it be um, in our uh, children's programs or the teen ministries some of you give towards camp ministries and the gospel is always clear at the christian camps that we go to purpose that you will be involved in some way with this and when we see this happening and when you're letting the holy spirit direct you and lead you that's what's going to make this place different than the place over there let me just close with this illustration 
It's interesting how some things get burned into our minds and we remember them forever. I had a conversation with a guy years ago, over a decade ago, and I was talking to him about church, my favorite subject, really. And as I talked to him, he said, oh, churches, well, you know, they're really all the same. And what do you think my response was when he said that? When he said, all churches, you guys, they're all just the exact same. What do you think my immediate response was? I didn't say it out loud, but what do you think I thought? I thought, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're different. And as he sees it, he might see a people that like a certain teaching. They teach a moral code. They have a certain liturgy. He might see something that is common in all of those churches. Can I just challenge us with that statement that's burned in my mind that we, we will not allow ourselves to be the same as a church that has nothing of the Holy Spirit in it? Or the same as an organization that's got some great things going and some people can get behind that, but it's nothing that will last for eternity because brothers and sisters, what we have been called to do and are gonna continue to effort to do will last for all eternity. Let's pray. Precious Father, it is so good to know that this is not our plan. It wasn't just some guys years ago that came up with this idea of a get-together place, place to have teaching and potlucks and do projects. This is your plan. And that, different, that church is so different in Acts chapter 1 than it was in Acts chapter 2. And I thank you for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that the Word of God tells us and encourages us that no matter how Satan schemes to attack and how divisive he is, your church will continue until Jesus Christ comes back. And we would pray that Calvary Bible Church would be front and center and the ministry of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit would be so beautiful and then we would sing it from the rooftops and we would see it in our lives and study it with our minds and hearts and experience the Holy Spirit and we praise you for that, that we have something sweet and beautiful and different because of what you've done in the giving of the Holy Spirit. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, unless Ron, just to play, just a tune on the piano. And if you would just take some time just to pray. If you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, even during this moment, you can say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I know you died on the cross for me and I want to follow you. You can pray that right now. Maybe God's put something else on your heart. Pray to him. Amen. Would you stand?